Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. I'm William Leonard, your host and investor at Valor Ventures, a leading seed stage venture capital firm here in Atlanta, Georgia. And today I'm excited to sit down with Josh Lloyd and Joe Ash Cody, co-founders of Yieldy. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm really excited to, to have both of you on and, and talk all things real estate investment here um, and, and given what you're building um, at Yieldy. But, you know, before we proceed, I'd love for you, Joe, to, to kind of give us the overview of the business and, and what you're building here in Atlanta. Sure. Thanks for having us. Happy to, uh, to discuss our business as always. So Yieldy is um, it's a double sided marketplace that gives retail investors, accredited investors, an alternative investment class that typically is reserved for institutional type investors. So we're, we're, we're basically private lenders and we've got what I would call the perfect marriage between technology and experience. Uh, my, my background is real estate development and Josh's background is technology. Um, and so when we formed the company, it seemed like the perfect marriage between the two of us. Uh, and that's that's how we started Yieldy. Awesome. And, and Josh, do you want to dive into a little bit of your background? I saw you're an entrepreneur, repeat founder. Um, you've built in the health space, the e-com space. Talk to us about how you uh, met Josh or how you met Joe. Yeah, so uh, a little bit about my background first and then how I met Joe. I moved to Atlanta in 2008, and uh, primarily I'm, I moved here because my co-founder uh, of my first startup in Atlanta called Shop Visible lived in Atlanta, went to Emory, and uh, was a big part of the community here. And I had loved the city of Atlanta and, and was welcome to a change. And so uh, my first tech startup taught me a lot, both in, you know, in terms of growing a business, employees, managing all those types of things. Uh, also about losing a lot of money along the way and raising money and you know what all that kind of process looks like. But I was pretty fortunate. Um, we, we found a niche in the e-commerce space, like you said, and uh, grew that business from about 2008 till 2014. And we exited uh, at the end of 2014. And uh, about three, four months prior to exiting, I had um, met another co-founder and, and we had a good idea in the health and fitness space, which is something I'm pretty passionate about. And uh, you know, working out and all that. And it was called Fitmetrics. And, and the, the business model there was really providing uh, boutique fitness studios and gyms with an ability to help their clients better measure the results that they were getting and create an engaging experience for customers. And so we built all sorts of sort of uh, all sorts of tools that sat on top of the billing systems in that space. And uh, we grew incredibly fast. So um, from I think the first customer in August of 2014 until we exited the company at the end of 2017, uh, we went to about 1,250 customers. And uh, that was a sort of an exercise in uh, keeping the wheels on the bus, I guess, <laughs> along the way, and learned a lot about scaling a business really quickly. Um, after exiting that company, I was uh, kind of burnt out, as you can probably imagine, selling two companies in three years, and each company had about 50 employees, and then being acquired and having to go to the parent organization and, and integrating and all those things that are involved with that. And I was sort of at a point where I just wanted to kind of scale myself back personally. And so I started to lend money and, you know, in the real estate market. And, and that was sort of from my half of this, the beginning of Yieldy. And um, as I mentioned, health and, and fitness is a pretty important part of my life. And uh, that's how I met Joe, actually. So the, the funny story there is that we were uh, working out at a small fitness studio here in Buckhead. And 
it was about six in the morning and our trainer was running late. And so when he got there, he's like, just, just go run around the building five times to warm up. And it was like 45 degrees out. And I can assure you neither Joe nor I wanted to be there. Um, and so we were running and uh, we started talking and I asked Joe what he does for a living. And he told me, and he asked me what I did for a living. And we both realized that for different reasons, we were actually investing our own money into lending uh, in real estate. And, so over the next few months, we just kind of kept those conversations going, working out at six in the morning every day. And eventually we were able to do some loans together. And, you know, going through that process, we realized there's a lot of opportunity uh, for us. And that's kind of, you know, how Joe and I met and how Yieldy started and a little bit of my background. Awesome. Now that's uh, one heck of a story to meet, you know, 545 in the morning. It's super cold outside, but you know, I feel like that's the foundation of this great business today. And so diving in a little bit more to Yieldy, are you all working across various asset classes within real estate? Kind of talk to us about, are you on the commercial side, residential side, and just go into a little bit more about the, the loan offering and, and what Yieldy practically does. Yeah, I'll jump in on that. So because of, uh, because of my extensive background in real estate, I started in real estate development. We were building a lot of grocery anchor shopping centers, and we did a lot of land development. Um, in 2010, we formed a company called Heritage Capital Partners that was purchasing a lot of fix and flip properties. And so we really understood the market. We were analyzing probably a thousand properties every month and buying five to eight. So we we had a structure. Um, we, we built some software for that business. And so fast forward to 2017, we just felt like the market was getting a little bit overheated. Prices were kind of at an all-time high and construction costs were becoming uncontrollable. And so we still needed to find a way to put money to work. And that's when we started lending on assets that we understood. And, um, you know, coming from a pretty extensive background in real estate, we, we could underwrite almost any asset type. So whether it was office, industrial, land, residential, retail, um, we understood it. And so as long as the project made sense to us, um, we call it common sense underwriting. And our loan to value was, you know, no more than 70, 75% of whatever the purchase cross purchase price was or the appraised value, we would we would typically lend on it. And so we started lending on uh, you know a few projects on a small scale in 2017 and 18. And then I met Josh in 2019 and with his technology background, and he was doing the same stuff on on a smaller scale as well. And I said, look, with, with my real estate background and your technology background, we should be able to marry these two and, and scale this business. And, and that's what we've done. And so, you know, the good thing about what kind of sets us apart from a lot of our competition is we're underwriting all of our own deals. Uh, we've got a team, a great team that works alongside with us at the office and, and we, can, we can provide answers to borrowers in you know, 24 to 48 hours on whether we can move forward on their deal. And one thing, another thing that sets us apart is we can close deals in as quick as seven to 10 days. And so when you go these traditional routes, um, I don't know if you tried to get a home loan recently, but it is a painful process. I mean, traditional banks are really only lending to people that don't need money. And so it's, it's really opened up a big opportunity for us to take advantage of, you know, working with some really great borrowers and developers to grow the business. Yeah. And just to add a little bit to that, you know, speed, like Joe mentioned, is, is pretty critical to our business. And you would think that just looking on the outside in that a borrower would come to a private lender because maybe they don't have good credit or 
you know, they can't validate their income or, or some of those types of reasons. And, and that is for sure the case here and there. But, but a lot of our borrowers um, have great credit scores. They have plenty of income, but they also have great opportunity in front of them. So they'll, they'll look at um, maybe on the residential side, there's an investment property that's going up and they need to, you know, basically put a cash offer and close in 10 days because that, the market's fairly competitive right now across the nation. Uh, especially here in Atlanta, actually. And um, so we, that's where we come in because of like what Joe said, we can close very quickly. On the commercial side of things, uh, to your question, we, we'll do you know pretty much anything. We'll do residential, we'll do commercial, we'll look at land, we'll do ground up construction, fix and flip projects, uh, retail, hospitality. Um, on the retail and hospitality side, um, pretty big opportunity right now because a lot of the traditional banks have shied away from that. It's coming back now, obviously with COVID, which is what caused that. Um, but we'll look to be pretty opportunistic there where we can get into a hotel, for example, at maybe 40% of what the valuation of that business is um, or that property. And so on the commercial side, what we'll find is a lot of the borrowers themselves, they're looking at, hey, I own my piece of real estate. And while I can get a private loan and the interest rate is high, it's a lot lower than maybe doing a, a traditional business loan against my accounts receivable, like factoring. Uh, and it's a lot faster than the process to get an SBA loan. And so they'll use us as a bridge lender um, till they do get that SBA loan and they'll, they'll take our money back out. And so we've found a pretty nice niche there and it's helped us to scale and grow our business pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I mean, I can, I can imagine. And so, you know, you're working across various asset classes for accredited investors looking ahead do you see opportunity for non-accredited investors um, within Yieldy, or are you really going to stick to your your bread and butter here? So I'll, I'll take that first, and, and certainly Joe may have a different opinion even on that question. But I, from my point of view, the accredited investor, the accredited investors are educated, and there's a reason they're accredited investors. They're kind of easier to work with, um, and it will help us to scale our business a lot easier. We have in the past talked about that. Um, there are some folks that do focus on the unaccredited investor. Um, the amount of scale it takes to grow a business to support that is a lot larger because you're talking about minimum investments dropping down to a, a low enough point that you know you could have a $100,000 or a $500,000 loan with hundreds or even a thousand investors in there. And that scale requirement is pretty great. So our, our focus right now is to stick with accredited investors that are looking for alternative investments. There's they're smart, they're strategic, they understand the need for yield in their portfolio, and the market for that's pretty large. Um, and so I think that white glove treatment we can offer them is where we're really focused at the moment. Uh, not to say that won't change. And Joe, Joe may have a different opinion. That's just my kind of off the cuff thought on that. Yeah, it would be very tough to, uh, to be able to manage it at the point that we're at right now to manage unaccredited investors and have, like Josh said, potentially 800 investors in one small loan. So we're, we're trying to keep it where it's all accredited. We've got you know no more than 10 investors in a loan. And it, it really does give, I mean, the whole purpose of Josh and I starting the business was for us to put our own money into loan, to find something that was safe, secure, and paid out on a monthly basis, a good return. And so, you know, that's what all these accredited investors have been looking for in today's market because the stock, you know, you've got inflation happening. And so sometimes the stock market isn't a good investment against inflation and everybody's looking to get into real estate. And, good, and right now it's, you know, with prices where they are on purchasing real estate and cap rates, you know, sub 6%. 
this becomes a really good alternative investment, um, especially for folks that are looking for monthly income, consistent monthly income. It's backed by, by real estate in first position on everything. And Joe, you, you mentioned this back a few uh, points ago, you know, back in 2017, you said the, the market was overheated, high construction costs, high prices. Um, and, you know, you think about present day, a lot of the supply chain disruptions caused by COVID over the last year and a half or so. I, I feel like the market is at a similar point with higher construction costs. You mentioned inflation. How does the, the general macro environment impact um, what, what you all are doing at Yieldy on a day-to-day basis? Well, I mean, I, I think what, what happened with the pandemic and COVID really injected a steroid into the real estate market. Um, with all the money that was pumped in to the economy from the government, um, I think it's really, it's caused and, and at low interest rates, of course, have driven are a big driving force in it. But it it's caused a lot of people to go out and buy properties. You know, people have are leaving condos or small apartments, and they want more land now, and they want to live in a house. And uh, people are spending a lot more time at home than they were before. And so, um, it's created a lack of of inventory. And um, I think it's really given the real estate market a tailwind. I mean, prices just continue to go up every month. Um, I mean, Atlanta, we're seeing record sales on residential properties. You know, three, three to five million is not a big deal in Atlanta anymore. And that used to just, you know, that used to be an absurd number five years ago. So I, I think that this, this real estate market has some legs. I think it's going to continue on for at least two or three more years. There's a lot of liquidity in the market. And so at, you know, investors and everybody's trying to trying to diversify their portfolios and get more into real estate right now. So I think it's just going to continue to drive up prices. Um, and until builders can can get their hands on enough land that's entitled and and start building, you know, to catch up to all this need that we have, you know, we're still going to see a lopsided market for at least two or three more years, especially if interest rates continue to stay low. And the, the thing I would say also, you know, this is something Joe and I talk about a lot, obviously, because the, the valuation on these properties is a critical part of our business. You know, it we, we'll look at a property that, you know, was worth X in 2018. Now it's worth double in some cases. I mean, literally double, which is, you know, crazy, um, but it, it happened. So, you know, we, what we do on our end to really protect ourselves is, you know, we'll never be like Joe said, more than 70 or 75% of the value on that property. But usually I think on average across our portfolio of, of properties we have loans on, we're close to about 65%. And what COVID actually provided us was this pretty amazing litmus test because, you know, if you think back to last, you know, March, April, May, 2020, we didn't know, no one knew what was going to happen, right? No one knew the market was going to do this. I think there was a lot of thoughts that market actually was going to go completely the other way at that point. And so, what we found uh, through that process and all the way through now is that um, our our borrowers they they have so much equity in these properties and and you know we make sure they actually have their own skin in the game and we won't we won't do it unless they have their own cash and into one of these properties they would sooner pay their their payment to us than their own house um, you know and and that was a pretty remarkable litmus test for us to kind of work through and so um, it's. What that really has caused over the you know three years or four years, Joe and I have independently been doing this, is a very, very low default rate. Um, 
you know, literally less than 2% default rate um, across our portfolio. And um, we think that, you know, that will continue, but we're also very conservative uh, because we have our own money. We, we treat everybody's money like our own because it is our own money. And, you know, so we're, we're very conservative on these valuations. And we think even though the market's going to continue an upward trend, you know, if it does come down sooner, if the if Fed does raise rates, things change, you know, we think we're pretty well insulated. No, yeah, I think that default rate is very impressive. And you think about the the risk that is associated with this. So that's uh, very impressive. And as you think about your portfolio um, of properties, is it primarily across the United States or is it specific to one region for now? How, how do you all think about that? Um, I'll dig in quickly. Um, we, we do work across the United States. Um, so there's a handful of states, primarily California and New York, um, that we won't lend in at all because the, the, the lending laws in those states um, are, are very prohibitive to lenders. They're very, they're very friendly to the, the folks that live in those houses. So if you do get into a foreclosure situation, even if it's not their primary residence, because we don't do loans on primary residence, it's still very difficult uh, for lenders. So we, we really try to stick to states that have uh, lender-friendly laws and um, about, I would say, three quarters of the country foreclosure process, uh, including in Georgia, is very friendly toward lenders, uh, especially, again, on non-primary residence properties. So right now, I think we're actively in about 18 states. We're about to do a few loans in, in Minnesota, so that'll bring us up to 19 states. And I would say by the end of 2022, we'll probably be in over 30 states. And so it really helps us diversify our portfolio, obviously. Uh, we know Atlanta really well, and we'll do a you know a lot of business here uh, because we we understand the market very well here. Right, and the business has been around for a couple years now. You all are really starting to get the swing of things. What does success look like for Yieldy for the remainder of 2021? I think to continue down the path that we're currently on, and and just streamlining the processes for each division of the business every day. I mean, if we just get a little bit better every single day on loan origination or investor relations or the closing process or the pre-closing process, um, that's the key right now. As we, as we grow and scale, you know, you go through those, those growing pains and, and you've got to learn how to deal with each and manage each little process to make sure it's completely streamlined. And, you know, Josh does a great job of implementing technology into each of those processes. So it helps us, you know, grow the company with, with the five people that are currently running it. So I think, I think the goal for us uh, is to continue to, to get loans on our balance, good loans on our balance sheet, to continue to find good borrowers to work with, to help us grow our business and to continue to reach out and grow our investor base. Awesome. As we wrap up here, you know, you all, are from, well, I know, Joe, you're from Atlanta. Josh, you relocated here to, to be with one of your first co-founders. Um, I'm curious, was there ever a point at the inception of Yieldy where you all thought about building this company in a different state, a different city? Or was Atlanta always the, was the goal always to build here in Atlanta? Just from my point of view, yeah, I think always from Atlanta. We, 
Joe's got significant relationships and family here. I do at this point as well. And Atlanta's a great place. I mean, the the technology community is growing to be one of the, the best in the United States at this point. There's a ton of Fortune 500 companies that are continuing to relocate or at least expand within the market here. And a lot of what that has caused, and Joe touched on this earlier, is a huge demand for real estate products here. Um, so, you know, you couple that with, with the venture capital money that's in Atlanta, um, you know, the the technology growth and it just really makes a lot of sense and so this you know for me personally this is my third startup here it's joe's second startup here and i just it's home you know i mean we know it we understand it there's a lot of smart people here and really to help us you know on our way yeah i totally agree with that i mean atlanta is just a great place to do business and i would I, my my parents and my brothers and sister would probably kill me if i ever thought about <laughs> moving and starting the business somewhere else just because we have such strong real estate ties here and we've, we've got we own and manage a lot of real estate as well so this is this is definitely our home but with with the movie industry here and and all the fortune 500 companies i mean there's just so much opportunity in atlanta and it's just it's, it is a great place to do business i feel like if josh and i were in new york or la we might get distracted um a little more and maybe not focus as much as we needed to on growing <laughs> business and doing what we needed to do so Atlanta is a it's a great place for us. Yeah, I think you touched on all the points there. You think about the the large Fortune 500s that are here. You have Microsoft that's going to be building here this decade. Airbnb, Google's expanding their office space here. And then you know you think about the the whole Metro Atlanta area just really expanding outside of Fulton and in Gwinnett and Cobb County now. So I think you're you're right, Atlanta. In its metro area is right for a big bonus. I mean, people, uh, and that's probably why we attract so many Fortune 500 companies. Proximate, you know, the airport, you can get anywhere you want in the world very quickly. Yeah, definitely. And then you think about company building as well. The the universities here, the talent pool is just so diverse. It's so expansive. Um, and you got schools like Georgia Tech, Georgia State, Morehouse, Spelman continuously putting out great talent um, that could potentially work for Yieldy one day in some capacity. So, Yeah, 100%. When I when I started Shop Visible back in uh, 07, I moved up here in 08. I, one of the big reasons for that was the talent pool between, you know, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, and all those other schools you mentioned, and Kennesaw State as well. And it's continued to prove it through both the last two startups after that. And, it, and you know, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, awesome, guys. This has been a, a really great, insightful conversation. I think our listeners will extract a lot of value out of your insights and, and hopefully they learn a little bit more about Yieldy and you may have some customers uh, come to you off of this uh, podcast episode as well. So really appreciate your time, Josh and Joe, and, and look forward to, to seeing how Yieldy grows throughout the year and over the next few years. Great. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. You know, we're not just a podcast, we're a community, and we'd love to see you at one of our digital or physical events. Go to valor.vc and sign up for an event that makes sense for you. We have events for founders and the investors who back them. Another event you might enjoy is Startup Runway. The Startup Runway Foundation is a Valor organization that provides $10,000 grants to founders who are women or people of color building next generation software products. Applications are free, and we'd love to hear from you at startuprunway.org. 
That's startuprunway.org. And as always, thank you so much to the organizations that make this podcast possible. Not only Valor Ventures, but also Right to Market, a tech marketing and PR agency in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Startup Runway Foundation, and Atlanta Tech Park, Valor's headquarters, and also headquarters for over 100 local entrepreneurs building global businesses. See you next week. Please bookmark the podcast and join us.